I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin Conroy, the definitive voice of Batman. And you're listening to the Oblivion Bar podcast. to the Oblivion Bar Podcast with your hosts Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles. Hello, kitties. Welcome to episode 99 of the Oblivion Bar podcast, the official podcast of the Fancy Shop in St. Charles, Missouri. I am Chris Hacker. I will be one of your Crypt crypt Keepers through this episode and joining me this week as he does every week, my BFF and also uh, close to skull uh, balding man, Aaron Knowles. You had to call me out on the balding part, huh? Not you don't really you're not really balding. It was more of like a derivative on the Crypt Keeper, and I don't know how to describe him outside of like really annoying and very flamboyant. <laughs> That's just really mostly who he is. Well, you could say, Chris, you are the backbone of this show, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and yes. I and I'm more like a flangy. <laughs> okay, which fair I, enough. I, which yeah, I believe I, is a toe, yeah. a toe bone. <laughs> ah, I could be. I could be the. Um, What's that thing that you, it's your, your, you're like the tibia, you're an important the, part of the, the body tailbone, that the, no the, one the, ever gets. Your pelvis, <laughs> your pelvis bone. Yeah. I'm the pelvis. Why are we show. talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, welcome to episode 99. Uh, of course, we're getting into the spoopy season. We have to talk about yes. something uh, very Halloween centric. This is our Halloween special 2022. So welcome. Kind of go back in time just a little bit, Aaron. Let's talk about previous years. Our first year, we had Max Van Dongen on the show. We talked about some of our favorite kind of unsung horror films. And if you if you were happen to listen back in those days, because I think that was like episode eight or nine of the show, what we're covering today was one of my choices. Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight was one of my three movies that I recommended to everyone. So, uh, and it just so happens that we put a poll out. I threw out a couple movies that I thought would be fun for Aaron and I to talk about this year for a Halloween special. And that won, and I was very uh, excited. I so. really wanted Frankenhooker. I really <laughs> well, wanted to kind of speak on Frankenhooker. You know, last year we talked about Basket Case, which yes. of course is a. Uh, I'm forgetting who the director is now, off the top of my head, but he directed Frankenhooker. He also directed Basket Case, so it would have made sense for us yeah. to do Frankenhooker. It's not it was the, a, you know, it's not out of the cards. We can do it one year. It was a hell of a time. That's right. And uh, <laughs> to kind of speak on this year's Halloween special, this is your first time watching. Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. It is. We're, we'll get into our thoughts, uh, but just within with like one emotion, I guess, without like giving too much away. What what were your thoughts while watching Demon Knight? Oh, uh, just pleasantly surprised. You know, pleasantly yeah. surprised. It was unlike anything I ever expected. <laughs> like I, I don't know what I expected, and it was amazing. That is a good way to describe it because it is one of those. Kind of culty films. I, I know Aaron's not a big fan of the term like cult classic, but it has gained a cult following over the years. We'll talk about it. Let's let's take yeah. a brief pause on Nebit and Demon Eye. Aaron, <laughs> tell the people about Patreon. <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> I really wanted to do the. There it is. Yeah, Spoilers? the scary one. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we have a we have a spoiler warning, but Spoil- <laughs> question mark, should we? This movie is <laughs> even, no. 17 Anyways, years old. Yeah. Uh, so Patreon. Uh let's let's that's not a seven years old. Excuse me. Not math is hard. It's twenty seven yeah. years old. Math is hoard. Um it, nothing new. This isn't scary, but we're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash oblivion bar pod. We gotta pitch it every single time. You know, pitch fork. <laughs> uh for your contribution, you can have access to the grid, which is not scary at all. It's more fun. It's the Oblivion Bar After Dark. It's the Oblivion Bar Unfiltered, Unformatted, Unafraid, Naked and Unafraid. <laughs> Kitties. <laughs> Sorry. I had to do it. <laughs> and it, it, for being a Patreon member, you get exclusive access to The Grid, which is a weekly episode. You get uh, access mm-hmm. to the transcripts for each episode. And basically, that transcript lets you see what we research, what we're talking about. Kind of, it's a, an additional behind the scenes to everything that we do here on the Oblivion Bar Pod. Early access to the episodes, special shout outs, special interview episodes, uh, just so much. And depending on the tier that you sign up on, you actually get some freebies, some some non swag, some unswag, you know, swag that some <laughs> we will of not us swag get. you out, swaska stuff that some of us get. Anyways, too close to swastika, but we'll we'll take it. <laughs> uh, Jesus, you took it to a dark place. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash scary. Patreon.com forward slash oblivion bar pod. All right, Aaron, give me your best Crypt Keeper laugh intro. Hello, kitties. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Aaron, let's go and get into our 2022 Halloween special Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. It's the Oblivion Bar's Halloween yeah. special. <laughs> For episode 99 of the Oblivion Bar podcast, we're talking about Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Proud to present... The motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <laughs> For my big screen premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Uh-oh. Special effects. Sex. Yeah. Violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Nice. Rights! Camera! Action! It's about a chase through the ages. A race against time. The war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody. It's time to play. And the final battle between man... I'm sorry. ...and demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm. 
William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. They're here! The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky... Whoa! Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are talking about Demon Knight, our 2022 Halloween special. Aaron kind of gave his initial thoughts on this. I want to quickly talk about it as well. It is one of those movies that is so just pervasive in the core of who I am. You know, I think back to when I was a kid watching these television series and these movies that I probably shouldn't have been had access to. You know, shout out to my mom. She was a hardworking single mother. Therefore, she could not be overlooking every single piece of material that I was watching, which is good, honestly, in the long run. I think it really exposed me to a lot of things that I love nowadays. Now, we, we don't know what the long-term effects are. Obviously, Well, I guess we kind of do. I'm somewhat normal, but I do have weird things. I collect comics, you know? I'm kind of, I would just collect things. But, uh, but so yeah, Demon Knight is just one of those films that really just has stuck with me over the years. Like I said before, it has a cult following now, but I think even when I was a kid, I remember just, really, really loving not only this movie, but Tales from the Crypt as well. I think that also kind of dives into my love for horror as well. Did, did you ever have any type of relationship with Tales from the Crypt growing up at all, Aaron? I was a huge wuss, so no. <laughs> did not like Tales from the Crypt. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I will say, and I've said this before on the show, I actually, I think I might've said at the end of last episode that that Tales from the Crypt intro by Danny Elfman, which we'll talk we'll talk about all of that here in just a moment. So good. It is yeah, it is great. But even now, if if I'm not like mentally prepared to hear the Crypt Keeper <laughs> Crypt Keeper's laugh, I will there's a chill that goes up my spine. Like there's something in my lizard brain that it's like fight or flight takes over when I hear that laugh that it's something I, I must have been extremely freaked out as a kid like a lasting effect like a trauma it really i think it is I, and I, it's so it seems so <laughs> I mean, silly because he is silly <laughs> no it's fine because it, it is silly it's i mean fear in general is silly i think it's kind of a, it's all irrational but my irrational fear is for some reason the crypt keeper watching this as an adult i find this extremely entertaining i've actually i've been looking on amazon to try to find these seasons of tales from the crypt because i want to go back and try it again you know, going back to this, it just made me more excited to try to see that stuff again. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere on some. But yeah, try, try your library. You know, if you haven't gone to your local library, try your library. They might have it. I've I've seen right. a few seasons at a local library a couple of times. For me, for me, uh, Halloween, like I've, I've never had a good relationship with horror. I've always mm -hmm. been like just like a, I've always been a softie. I've always been a little bit of a sensitive child uh and and sweet boy just a sweet summer child you know and <laughs> for me horror was one of those things like when i was a kid i i never watched freddy krueger movies i never watched jason Voorhees. i never watched i i did see i did see them chucky yeah to this day <laughs> scares the absolute shit out of me the just that yeah. doll he, <laughs> you want to play want to be my friend hi <laughs> I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Heidi ho <laughs> Hi, I like to be hugged. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Hi, I'm Tommy. Shut up, you idiot. 
surprise. Did you miss me, Andy? I sure missed you. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? In him, like, there's that scene where he, like, comes out of the fireplace and he's, you know, he's like, ah, oh my God. Yeah. It's the, so. The, like, full on man, like, full male yell that he has. Yeah. Yes. By, like, yeah. Yeah. That's it's another thing. It's, it's, there's so much like that. And then there was, um, when I was a kid, there was, like, Tales, because you had, like, Tales from the Hood. I don't know if you ever saw Tales from the Hood. That was another anthology sure. movie that came out. And one of that, like, it's just, it's always been dolls, man. Puppet Master, mm-hmm. Chucky, Tales from the Hood. Like, it's always Annabelle. It's always dolls. And, oh, man, it's just, it's, I hate them. Well, it's taking, it's taking an, an, an inanimate object. I can't talk. It's <laughs> taking an, an inanimate object and turning it evil, right? Yes. Like, I also think of, like, the dummy during Goosebumps. Yes. Like, it's taking something that is generally yes. really, you know, kind of sweet and just, like, very childlike. And then you just twist it on its head mm. and make it no pun intended That's, you twist it on its head and you make it evil evil some yeah. yeah something so what's the word like passive and something so genuine and innocent that has no like it has no free will it has no no free will no ill will it's just a mm-hmm. a a what, what, what do you call it like a blank slate that has so much potential and maybe right. that's uh, that's probably what it is but demon knight I never again. Tales from the Crypt for me was one of those shows that uh, it was on HBO, right? And mm-hmm. HBO tended super to, unattainable. Yeah, HBO back when we were kids, HBO wasn't free in every hotel. It wasn't you know it wasn't accessible on every channel or just a, it wasn't every streaming service. For for me, HBO was like one of those things that, like you said, unattainable. Simply the best choice on TV, HBO. The following movie is rated R. Even even if it was attainable, Tales from the Crypt was it was a gory, bloody show that had over sexualized. Over sexualized. Yeah. I mean, we. I mean, I was I was right in it as soon as we watched Demon Knight. I was like, man, not even five minutes and there's a pair of boobs. I'm I'm in. You know. Um, I mean, the intro to this is basically every <laughs> Tales from the Crypt. Yes. Episode. You know what? What the crypt keeper is directing? Yeah, and so like it was really uh, again for me, just it wasn't accessible. It wasn't something that I sought out. Um, not again, mm-hmm. not not saying that there's anything wrong with any of that. It's just that was my experience, and to come to it now and see kind of what it is, and kind of flush that out, it was a very fun experience. It's very fun. That's like really what the core of all this is. You, they don't make things like this anymore. You know what I mean? Like the schlocky kind of like oh, comedy the, horror. The humor, the the it's, self-awareness. The self-awareness. Yeah. Just the the dialogue that that's so like I mean, let's let's call it what it is it's edgy. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there that would not fly today. Well, and thinking about where horror was at the time when this came out, this came out in nineteen ninety-five. Basically, Horror was in this reinventing stage where we had gone through the 80s of slasher horror and we were into the scream era, as some people like to call it, where it was very self-aware, very like, let's poke fun at the genre while also doing a thing like that that we've always done. Horror was in just a very interesting place. And 
Tales from the Crypt was prime for that arena. Like it was tailor made for the arena of horror that it was in, which again is it's becoming very mainstream. There, it was more yes, it like was. Ho- horror, like it, like as we've you know even talking to David, a., you know David A. Weiner, uh, and talking to some of these directors, you know we we've talked to a few people that have said the same thing that just horror, like we talked about when we did basket basket case also in the 80s was in its prime it was over the top it was scary but it all at the same time there was the comedic aspect with like the tromaville and some of the other portions of it, of the industry and then you get the 90s where you get things like buffy the vampire slayer angel uh i mean at the back end you got charm but like some of these things that were that or- originally were like scary topics you know zombies and and all this stuff and then you get tales from the crypt which is the the adult version of it you know it's definitely yeah. that's where uh, that self-awareness a melding of genres yes yeah the comedy horror yeah well aaron let's let's get into demon Eye. let's talk about this movie I, sure. I really am curious to hear a lot of your thoughts and you know kind of dive into this a little bit more we want to say this off the top as well this movie is not thought-provoking in any sense okay this is not a <laughs> intelligent film this is a kiddie it's pool just a lot of fun yeah it's for the kiddies and yeah. <laughs> i'm telling you right now this movie is is just a fun jaunt through the horror comedy. Again, if you like Tales from the Crypt, I'm sure you probably have seen this, but if you have it for some reason, this is the best parts of Tales from the Crypt. Well, Chris and I, you, you we both watched the the documentary. You sent me that. It was a documentary on YouTube that talked about the making and the creation and everything behind the scenes that came with Demon Knight and the creation of it. And one thing that I, I love that they talked about also is this is not just a horror. This is not just a comedy it's actually like, and I'm not even going to call it a religious film, but it spans so many different genres with, it's like histor- historical fiction. It's, you know, it's, it's, there's a mystery in there. There's a mystery. There's like, who done it? There's, it's, it's so like just across the board of cinema and genre. It's just, it's so much. I, 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 again, I'm really appreciative that you showed that that the fans <laughs> the fans chose this movie. So yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. The summary of this movie is ex-soldier Frank Breaker is the guardian of an ancient key that can unlock tremendous evil. The sinister but charming collector is a demon who wants the key so he can initiate the final apocalypse. Ooh. So Ooh. on the on the run from <laughs> wicked mercenaries for almost 90 years, Breaker finally stops in at a boarding house in New Mexico where the help of its quirky residents, wonder where we've heard stuff like this from before, uh, he plans to face <laughs> off against the collector and his band of demons, preventing them from ever seizing the key. If you've ever seen movies like what was it? Legion? Yep. That one <laughs> there's this 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 is not a plot that that has not that that is new or old or or right. singularly done. It's it's a really well-used plot, but again, this one <laughs> What did he say this this uh premises is condemned humans. You're not worth the flesh you're printed on. Fuck this cowboy shit. You fucking hold up, hold up. Well, they in there, motherfuckers! All you have to do is give me the goddamn key! Then we could get on with our lives! Alright, this property is hereby condemned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so good. So I can't wait to get to the, to the cast of this. Well, that's kind of to kind of not to bury the lead any anymore here. Like you said, the premise is not new. This is a kind of very claustrophobic 
stuck in a house to do a thing. Yeah, one room. Make sure that the people on the outside. Yeah, it's a one room show, uh, and it's up to the characters to for us to get behind them and for them to carry this story, and they do. That is the best part about Demon Knight. <laughs> yes, I I don't want to. I I should probably say this off the top as well. I don't want to tout Demon Knight as like one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't want to tout it as being misunderstood or that it's some kind of just like cinema. I'm wearing my Criterion hat for this review. It, oh, this that's is what I figured you were wearing it for. <laughs> <laughs> this is not cinema, everybody. This is, and I'm not even saying that I know what cinema you is. Got Frankie no two thumbs yeah, over like, here. Yeah, yeah, I, and it's like. <laughs> It's just fun. This movie is so much fun. It is a movie that you can put on with a group of people in the background and just tune in every once in a while and just enjoy the cast of people that should have never been in this movie. Like <laughs> oh, everyone in this so movie good. should not have signed up to do this, but they did. And it's awesome. And it right? works. And it works. This is a movie that works. you should drink with your friends and watch. Yes. One thing about Tales from the Crypt, it was a horror anthology series that ran from 89 to 96 on HBO for seven seasons with a total of 93 episodes. <laughs> Man, that is Jesus that's, Christ. That's good for that time frame, to be honest. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the show's title is based on the 1950s EC Comics. Wow. Wonder why we're covering it. Who would have knew? Who would have knew? EC Comics series of the same name. And most of the content originated in that comic or other EC comic titles of that time. The Haunt of Fear, The Vault of Horror, Crime Suspense Stories, Shock Suspense Stories, and Two-Fisted Tales. Love that. Um, the series is hosted <laughs> by the Crypt Keeper, a wisecracking, high-pitched corpse performed and voiced by John Kassir. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, and this is something I didn't know, okay? This is something I I, I had to actually pick Chris's mind about because I, I brought it up. Mm-hmm. The theme from Tales from the Crypt was created by none other than our favorite composer, well, one of our favorite movie composers, Danny Elfman. Uh, you obviously know that name. <laughs> Batman 89, Nightmare Before Christmas, Edward Scissorhands, Spider-Man, Men in Black, just to name a few. If you've seen anything by Tim Burton, then you know yeah. of Danny Elfman's work, so... <laughs> Mr. Mr. Daniel Elfman. And we were talking about that before we started recording. You're like, this intro feels very Tim Burton. I was like, oh, it's funny you say that because it's, it's Danny Elfman. Yeah. <laughs> it's again, another crazy happenstance. Yeah. Just to kind of make a pun on the film and the, and the plot, the stars had to align in order for this movie to, that, you know, tr- that is wild. Everything. Yeah. yeah. It's literally a <laughs> bunch of people before they got big, like right at this perfect moment come together mm-hmm. to create this unknown hit yeah so the director is ernest r dickerson you might know him he directed from uh, he directed juice in 1992 bulletproof in 1996 bones in 2001 and never die alone in 2004 I, and i aaron I, i've only seen juice and demon knight those are the only two dickerson joints i've seen you know in my lifetime but you would probably have seen him uh, well, you probably have seen a lot of the, his episodes that he's directed for television. He directed 
uh, Once Upon a Time in, or excuse me, Once Upon a Time, The Wire, Dexter, The Walking Dead, and Godfather of Harlem. He directed a lot of episodes of many of those series, and he is a great director. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is nothing else if not an extreme love letter to to kind of go on what you were saying. The you know the EC Tales from the Crypt kind of schlocky. 1950s 1960s comic horror you know in the in the 1950s and 60s superheroes were on the way out no one wanted to read captain america no one wanted to read batman they wanted to read horror books and they wanted to read romance books so horror was on the rise and aaron have you, are you familiar with the comic codes authority have you heard of that term before yeah we've talked about it a few times about how they were very um strict and stringent on what was releasable in a in a comic or a magazine Yes. So there was a doctor that came out and put a book out talking about how comics were destroying the mind of our youth. And of course, conservative America, most I would say just most people who were gullible enough to believe that got on board. So the Comics Code Authority was created, which essentially put an end to horror comics. I mean, they they were around for a bit afterwards, but for the most part. The attack was on horror comics, and and that's where EC Comics started to falter. That's where DC Comics and their you know House of Secrets. You had Marvel with their Tomb of Dracula, which we've seen a lot of here recently uh, over in the MCU. They're kind of planting those seeds. So we're seeing a lot of that nowadays. But that attack on comics in the in the fifties and sixties was kind of the end of that era, and and one of the many chapters in the you know the medium of comics where we thought comics were going to fail but like a cockroach and like you know there's another pun for this movie because there is someone named Roach in this movie <laughs> they don't die they just like keep it roach. going so <laughs> so yeah so and and the budget for this movie 12 million dollars right uh remember this movie was made in 1995 it seems like a lot it, it does it uh, this was made in 1995 it's not a great looking movie, right? Like it's, it has <laughs> some cool effects here. Okay. So here's why I think it looks good in certain aspects is because it's all practical. They had yes. almost no CGI at that time. So they couldn't even really try. There's some <laughs> stop motion in this movie. So fucking weird. <laughs> Everything like there's, there's demons, there's limb removal. There's eye gouging. It's all practical. There's, it's, I love it. <laughs> there's headless zombie bodies. Like yeah. every, at every, one point, Billy Zane has a beam of light come out of his cock. Uh, it's like a like a fire flame. Like he's like, oh, yes. down boy. <laughs> like there's <laughs> oh, so hey, much. Oh, not watch it. Yeah, it, it's literally like it, like. Oh man, how do you how do you, okay? It's like Beetlejuice, but yeah, if he took LSD, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. It was made in the fifties. Yeah. And yes. 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so unless Tim Burton <laughs> Demon Knight earned twenty one point one million dollars domestically. So technically a box office smash. Yeah. What's the rule, Aaron? If it's released, uh, if it's released in the box, you know, at the movies and it earns double its budget, then yeah. it, it's a success. Right. I guess. Right. Yeah. So this was not released outside of the United States. Oh, poor, poor other nations of the world sorry wow that's not to- surprising whatsoever could <laughs> you imagine this this showing in like china they would have fucking no one would have showed up <laughs> this is the first installment was initially planned to be a trilogy although not a direct sequel bordello of blood which is the one that i was more um i think robert goulet was in bordello of blood i want to say bordello of blood was released the following year in, in 96 and was widely disliked by critics and audiences alike. the third installment dead easy 
a New Orleans zombie romp was teased during the end credits of Demon Knight, but was never put into production. The Tales from the Crypt HBO television series was canceled then in 96. So this was really like kind of a, a swan song for the mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt. Uh, and, and who knows? Maybe they just threw all their budget into one basket and this kind of didn't really for them. But, you know, they they did. They did a good job. And at least we appreciate it now. Right, guys. Right. That's <laughs> kind, again, that's the cultness of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the coldness of it is that it was it had to have not been successful at some yeah. point and then it has and then loved now for it to be considered a, cult. a 30 year sleeper hit <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the cast Aaron I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit I'm sorry to put you on the spot here but I want you to tell me what the plot is of this movie can you tell me briefly kind of what what is this story you know because again this is your first time watching this movie I've seen it probably 25 times over my lifetime. I had the VHS as a kid. I would love to hear your thoughts on what you thought the story was. This story is about finding the next hero, the next generation of hero. So you got, so as we said before, uh, Breaker, who is the main character played by William Sadler, he basically has a, a chalice that holds like, you know, again, spoilers, holds like, blood in it that is that is sacred a vial of blood blood. and every time this vial of blood starts to to get empty it needs to be refilled and it's usually by whomever is holding it that time that refills it as it's being passed on to the next keeper of it the next chosen one so to speak and so that's what this is about they they call him the collector is that is that is no no, that's a billy zane yeah it's i i I think they 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 want to say like I mean, they pretty much are the chosen one. So, so yeah. that's what it's about. It's about William Sadler's character Breaker being at the end of his story and it starting the story, the next story. Which I think, I think this movie does very well because it's as we keep saying, it's not thought provoking, but it is so well done when it comes to visually telling the story, all while kind of. It gives you tidbits visually, and then at the end, it kind of like backs up everything you thought was going to happen. And it 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 right. is a great story, and it is a well told story, which is why it's so shocking. Like you look at this movie, you look at the cover, and you're like, "God, this is gonna be a piece of shit." And then you watch it, and you're like, "Damn!" Like that told a sto- a well made story. So let me ask you this: this, this being the first time that you've seen this, did you ever at one point think that Billy Zane was actually our? protagonist and William Sadler was the protagonist or antagonist, excuse me, or were you pretty privy to the fact that Billy Zane is kind of a, he plays a villain in a lot of his later films. So therefore you just automatically assumed that he was the villain. No, I would say I knew from the beginning, not because of any kind of prior knowledge or anything. I just knew that that's what they were trying. That's the, that's the impression that they were trying to give you at the beginning. I'm like, Oh, that's not how it is. You know? Yeah. Um, I will say this. I am to my inner core like my deepest of deepest parts. Okay. I am a, I am a Zane brain. I don't know what is, what a, what a Billy Zane. <laughs> Zany for Z- I'm, Z- Zany for William. I, yeah, for, yeah, I am a huge Billy Zane fan from, from, <laughs> yes, from the Phantom to this movie now to when he was in, uh, like Zoolander Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. Like I am a huge Billy Zane fan. That man is, phenomenal what did you think of the sponge scene that's always my favorite that scene was when so he goes, good can you wipe this off for me the world needs more people like you mr roach thank you 
You're welcome. Of course, you don't mind if we kill the others, do you? Hey, if it makes you feel good, do it. Makes you feel good, do it. Exactly. <laughs> first things first, of course. The blood seal. Listen, uh, on a personal note, be sure and kill Breaker. He's a bossy asshole. Isn't he, though? Thank you. That's it? Ooh, that's it. You know, you ain't such a bad fella. You ain't so bad yourself. <laughs> oh, uh, pleasure doing business with you, Mr. Roach. <laughs> like even for I the, love that scene so much. He's like your damn redneck. Like he's he's so good in this. And like when you hear him in interviews, he's so relaxed and like you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect anything like what we saw in the movie from him. His off-screen personality and his on-screen personality in this movie are like complete opposites and it's amazing to see. He is a full-on cartoon character in this yes. movie and I fucking love it so much. It is one of Again, I I said this earlier. This is not one of like my all time favorite horror films or anything, but this is one of my favorite villainous roles for anyone ever. And I think we'll even get into it later. Billy Zane has come out many times and said this is actually his favorite role that he's ever had, which is crazy to think that he's been in movies (laughs) with, you know, like Titanic. Like you said, he's been in like he did a lot of television shows in the 90s. Like he's done a lot. And the fact, the fact that Demon Knight is his favorite role that he's ever had is just so incredible. So to kind of speak on Billy Zane, though, let's go and get into the cast, Aaron. Let's talk okay. about some of these guys. And, I, and I'd love to kind of briefly pause on each one and just kind of talk about their career, uh, where it eventually went, where it was before this, and just kind of... Because, again, that is the highlight of Demon Knight is this ensemble. So when we get into the cast, obviously we start with the main man, the, the man, the myth, the legend, the devil of this film... Billy Zane uh, twin, from Twin Peaks, which is a television series. You know, if you're my age, you've heard of it. Uh, Back to the Future, of course. Tombstone. The Phantom, which is one of my favorite like B movies. It's, you know, Billy Zane in yeah. a purple in a purple bodysuit. <laughs> Talk about uh, movies not shouldn't shouldn't work, but kind of do. <laughs> it's so good and bad at the same time. Um, Titanic, of course, you know, you remember him as the, uh, the really dickheaded boyfriend. Um, And he plays the fucking dickhead. He plays the collector, you know? So basically he is a demon who has been sent to collect this chalice, this, this artifact from breaker and whoever the, the, I guess the, the, the chosen one who's keeping it. And, and yeah, Billy Zane, again, just there's a reason he is the, the first one mentioned. He's just so good in this role. The charisma is off the charts with Billy Zane in this movie. Like he apparently, from what I understand, he basically didn't have any direction in terms of what this villain was supposed to be. So he just created again, like this very cartoonish over the top, very charismatic person. And it works like without Billy Zane, this movie is not nearly as fun as it is. Like it would be just another episode of tales from the crypt, but he really honestly carries. He is like, it's one of those rare moments where the antagonist is the main character in a way. There is a scene in it where he tries to seduce Jada Pinkett Smith. And yeah. they. And uh, it, you. <laughs> and it's so good. Um, That'd be a period of adjustment, of course. I'm very easy to live with. I'm clean. I don't drink much. And I know my folks are gonna love you. I notice you're not saying anything. Hmm? 
because you're thinking of something to say? What the hell is there to think about? There was a time when a coy silence was appreciated in a woman. Well, this is not one of those times. And you're really starting to piss me off! <laughs> oh, boy. I... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to get angry. I... I... Jolene. Jolene? I'm gonna say something to you I haven't said to, to anyone. Jolene, I, I love you. Jolene, I love you. Jolene, do you think you could ever find it in your heart to possibly me? Didn't think so. You think you can find it in your heart? To yeah, me, me. <laughs> so good. Uh, William Sadler, who was in Die Hard two in nineteen ninety, uh, Bill and Ted's bogus. I can't even bogus journey. He plays Death. He's my, and I couldn't yeah. even see it when it, when you look at him. You would never expect this guy. Yeah, best two yeah. out of three. You know, uh, he was in Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> he was in the television series Roswell, and he played Frank Breaker. And he just, he's basically this immortal for the time for the time being he's like this immortal defender of this of this artifact uh, well i was just let's talk about him for a brief moment because again the movie wants us to get behind him as our hero mm-hmm. uh thoughts on on william sadler you know he has this very stoic kind of again holding a candle up to billy zane seems like an impossible feat but you i think me personally, I would have loved to see him survive this. I know it's impossible because the story has to, the mantle has to pass on to someone else. But like, I, I think I really, really liked his, his kind of his arc in this, you know, the way he, he has kind of like the, uh, the thankless job of kind of giving an exposition dump on what his mission is and, and how this whole night is supposed to go. Why Billy Zane's character is coming after everyone. And I think he does a great job with it. What, what are your thoughts? I would actually love to see, I would have loved to have seen, a a a prequel that would have told the story of william sadler or even like you know the the previous like guardians he -hmm. did and i think honestly i think he did a great job because he took a role that was kind of like something probably at that time hadn't been seen before hadn't really been portrayed like you're talking about a guy who knows that he has chosen to defend what is pretty much the like the blood of christ you know and (laughs) And so if you like, I mean, really, if you look at it, like in the beginning, when he takes uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's character, you know, when he takes Geraldine, Geraldine, when he takes her hostage and and Billy Zane's like, he won't do it because he knows that he is this righteous man who who is a good, a good person. And I think that he played very, he did very well being the opposite of, of Billy Zane's like demonic character as being this complete opposite, like guy who he's just tired. He's been fighting this battle for a long time. He's been on the run and he's just a good person. It's really hard to maintain that role of just like not doing anything bad. And he won't, he won't break that. He's like the Batman. Some of the Batmans that we've seen, he, he knows what he needs to do. He just can't do it because there's that line in him that he won't cross. And I think he plays that so well. Yeah, I think he's like begrudgedly doing this. I know at one point during the, they're like, again, he's giving his exposition dump and they're all like questioning him and his methods. And he's like, listen, I don't make the rules. I don't want to be here doing this, but we have to do it this way because if we don't, we're all going to fucking die. Yeah. So everyone listen to what I'm saying, because if you don't, 
there's seven of us that that's keeps like going on in the story is that there needs to be seven people. And then once the collector has the vial of blood, he can basically the apocalypse can take over. That's kind of like what the whole, that's what they're trying to stop is the apocalypse. And it's up to initially William Sadler, but also again, again, Jada Pinkett Smith, who we'll talk about now, it's up to them to kind of stop that. So as he was handing over the, the, the chalice to, Jay Pinkett Smith's character, he says it could he's like, I don't know when it could be tomorrow. It could be 800 years from now. Like it will eventually happen. I thought that was really cool because, you know, it could happen three weeks from now. Like you literally see in the in, in the end that she runs into another collector almost immediately. And so I thought that that was I thought that was a really cool way to, to kind of end that story. Well, he lasted. What was it like almost 90 years? Yeah. He got his during World War One. So that's when he met the previous guy, and now he's been carrying that on for almost 100 years. So now he's passing on Jada Pinkett Smith. And like you said, we see, a, you know, this was supposed to be a tease for the third installment. The The character we see on the bus at the end of the movie was supposed to be the main character of the third movie, the New Orleans, what did we say it was called? The Oh, uh, Easy, um, Big Easy or something? Dead, Dead Easy. Easy. Dead Easy, yeah. Mm. So this this uh, chalice of blood is shown and basically it's in Bordello of Blood of, as well. And this was going to be another kind of demon night type of film for the third installment. But to kind of move on to Jada Pinkett Smith, we all know her from, of course, <laughs> uh, many things here recently. But <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. <laughs> the- Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? Uh, Menace to Society in 1993, The Nutty Professor in 1996. Uh, obviously, The Matrix. She's a friendly woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trilogy. Uh, obviously, she's part of that. She's a big part of The Matrix. And then Gotham, most recently here. She plays Geraldine in the film. This Geraldine. is one of her earliest roles. And... I think I've read somewhere that her haircut in this, she just showed up to, to the set with that. Like they initially cast her as having just like, I, I don't, I don't even know what type of haircut, but she has the short blonde hair and they tried to, at one point they tried to get her to change it back to what the way it was. And she said no. So, uh, and I think that even director Ernest Dickerson, he actually was like, no, 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 this is who we want. We want, Jada on this. This is before she was Jada Pinkett Smith. She was just Jada Pinkett. We want Jada Pinkett on this. Let's go ahead and just go along with it. And I, I yeah, I think I think she does a fine job in this. I don't really have like a ton of opinions on her, right? Do you? Like what what are your what are your thoughts on her role in this? Like kind of a uh, rogue gone good, you know, kind of storyline here for her. She obviously yeah. was on work release. Redemption arc, you know, like, you know, just because right. You know, they don't really go too much into her background, but they did it. You know, they they talk about her being, yeah, like you said, on a work release program. She's doing what she can to, to to get right. So, I mean, there's not really much to her story. She's the next person to guard that thing. And she's put into a situation that she nece- doesn't necessarily want to be in, just like, you know, Frank Breaker. Yeah. And then kind of moving on, we kind of get our diet antagonist in this. We have Thomas Hayden Church again. <laughs> Why the hell is he in this? Uh, <laughs> Tombstone in 1993. So we have two... Tombstone. Tombstone alumni in this movie. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. 
this is what I always think of him. And th- so when I think of Thomas Hayden Church, I do not think of Sandman. I know that's for a lot of people listening to this, they probably think of Spider-Man 3. I think of him as the bad guy from George of the Jungle. <laughs> yeah. That's how I always remember Thomas Hayden Church. I ran that, you know, George of the Jungle VHS out as a kid. <laughs> and he was always such an insufferable dickhead in that movie. Um, I think he takes, he actually reprises his role in George of the Jungle too. But anyway, uh, he actually won an Academy though for Sideways in 2004. He's in Idiocracy in 2006. And like we just said, he is in Spider-Man 3 as the Sandman. Uh, he plays Roach in this movie. So thoughts on his character. He like he just kind of like was like a, like a stupid 90s I just want to fuck and do drugs type of guy. You know what I mean? He was all over the place. So you can't pin, you can't pin Roach down. Roach will not be pinned down. Roach is a free spirit. He's a sexual being and he's also an asshole. Likes to be electrocuted. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Likes to be shocked a little bit. Likes likes a little electro play in his, uh, in his boudoir. Yep. Uh, And I think one part that really sticks out in my mind in this movie is he's trying to make nice with Breaker. (laughs) And, he seems genuine. Like I thought, you know, again, going back to when I was younger, I remember thinking, man, such a turn. Like he really is like seeing what's happening here and like wants to get behind breaker. Nope. He just wants to steal that vile blood. And as soon as I saw that, I wanted to do, I got this, the fry eyes. I was just like squinting at the screen. I'm like, you son of a bitch. I knew what he was doing. (laughs) Yeah. And who know that, who knew that Frank breaker had such loose pockets? Well, you know, this hell on earth business, Big fucking deal. I got hemorrhoids. Via con Dios. And a via con Diablos to you too, sir. Oh, Roach, there's just one more thing I forgot to mention. I lied. That's right, yeah. Why would you not... Cover that up. Like, yeah. just put, don't put it in your jack, jacket pocket. Put it like in your, you know, the inside pocket yeah. of your jacket. Spend a hundred years with loose pockets. You're an idiot. <laughs> That's right. So next we got CCH Pounder, which is just the most acronymical name I've ever. I, I think I just made that word up, acronymical. But anyway, CCH Pounder. <laughs> uh, she was in RoboCop three in 1993. She was in Face Off in 97. X Files, the television series. ER, the television series. The Shield, the television series. Sons of Iron- Anarchy. So uh, you know to keep going on. And she's also voiced. Remind me what her name was. Uh, Amanda Waller. Waller. Amanda Waller. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so she's voiced Amanda Waller in Arkham Origins. The Batman title as well. And then um, Justice League Unlimited. So very well-known voice actress, very well-known, uh, you know, actress in some of these TV actor in general. TV, She's one of the most TV. decorated. Yeah. One of the most yeah. decorated TV actors working today even. So, so once again, we're, we point out another character that has an, an amazing career following this role. <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> what, where, what were you doing what, why? That, that put you here? But yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And she does a great job in this. I think, uh, again, watching that mini documentary on this, you know, the kind of the making of, they gave her like a, like a quote unquote fat suit to kind of like widen her out because they knew that at one point she was going to lose her arm. And she hated that. Apparently she was very much against that idea. Uh, but she has also kind of spoken very fondly of this movie in later years. And she, you know, again, she sacrifices herself in this movie, her and who, uh, one of the, one of the cops, I think it's at, uh, Gary farmer, deputy Bob. Yeah. Deputy Bob. That's deputy right. Bob. Yeah, she sacrifices herself with him to kind of save the rest of the crew. So 
yeah, no, I, I like her in this movie and it seems again, seems so out of place that she's in this, but Hey, movie's better for it. Yeah. And then we get one of our more, more, uh, well-known, you know, uh, actors, mm-hmm. Dick Miller. This guy's been in everything. Little Shop of Horrors. It conquered the world. Terminator, Night of the Creeps, Gremlins one and two. He's a voice actor as well. He's been in small soldiers, mask of the phantasm, uncle Willie, Dick Miller is uncle Willie, you know, and he's the, <laughs> the alcoholic old man who's on the scene. Everybody calls him uncle and he gets probably one of the best scenes in this entire movie, which is just the most amount of gratuitous boobs you've ever seen and it's it's, it's <laughs> most it's, tales from the crypt scene in this most movie. tales from the crypt scene and it's so funny um and then again billy zane is so billy zane pretty much pulls a freddy krueger-esque type situation to each of these characters and tries to seduce them and bring them over to his side so he can uh possess them give them and, ultimately what they want yeah and so he shows up and in 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 uncle willie's little scene as a bartender just starts feeding him drinks with all these naked chicks yeah. around and he's like he's in heaven so of course he gives in yeah to kind of speak on dick miller you said it really well is that he is probably the most decorated actor in this movie to date you know he did a lot of tromo movies from back in the day a lot of roger corman stuff uh he was already a very celebrated voice actor he had done a ton of horror in general and when you hear other actors and i think to this point dick miller is the only one that's passed away from this movie he is spoken very fondly, you know, people, everyone who worked on this movie, everyone loved him. Apparently he was just like the most fun to be on set with. And that was where I think there are a couple actors who even said that because of his inclusion is why they signed on. Like they saw that Dick Miller was doing it and they're like, Oh, well we got to do it now. So he is very integral to the making of this movie. He is another, again, integral part to why this movie is so great and the ensemble. And I think his inclusion is, I mean, well it's welcomed for sure like he is the drunken horny (laughs) uncle in this movie every horror film needs one especially in the 90s so next we got brenda baki uh she was in gunman in 94 and then la confidential in 97 as cordelia i don't really have much to say about her she was really yeah there (laughs) she was she was she she was a typical tales from the crypt eye candy that's essentially really what her role was in this Uh, she was basically just there to uh kind of drive the next actor's arc which again that type of archetype is gone from media today you don't have that you know this this cordelia character does Mm -hmm. not exist in even horror films anymore they just it doesn't it doesn't exist anymore. everybody's got a uh, everybody's got a point everybody's got a reason to be there and yeah, there's no more just like the throw. Like, I mean, there's some throwaway characters, but not ones that uh, of this level like this. She's a very in between character between throwaway and just kind of like star like star power. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you got her her stalker muse. muse. Uh, so Charles Fleischer, uh, he plays Wally and Wally is another one of our big names. Uh, he, you know, voiced who fra- he voiced Roger Rabbit in the also terrorizing film who framed Roger rabbit. Uh, he was in yeah. a, a nightmare on Elm street, Dick Tracy, polar express and Chippendale's rescue Rangers, uh, which is his most recent credit. But yeah, Wally and Wally was a weird, he was such a weird story. Like he seems like this, you know, in the beginning he's hanging out with Cordelia and he's like sad. He lost his job at the post office because, you know, they accuse him of stealing mail. And then later on in the movie, come to find out, he was stealing all the mail and he was also collecting a bunch of Uzis to, and, and he had already written a letter to go take out 
the post he was basically about to go postal which if you're aware like around the 90s was a was a thing that was happening quite often there was a lot of fed up postal workers going in and shooting mm-hmm. up and hence the term going postal and and that was who gary and i mean who charles fleischer uh portrayed and so i think he was gonna do it for cordelia i believe such an odd thought that someone would think that that would like be a good way of professing your love to someone clearly she was never interested until it was the moment of her death she never saw wally in that light she was too busy getting it on with roach but that thought of like let's blow up a post office to show our love is so fucking insane there's this one scene (laughs) where cordelia is actually trying to seduce so cordelia is is is, you know without having said it she's she's a a prostitute you know or or just yes a whore um a whore a whore as as i think cch pounder as irene would say but there's one point get where that pussy off the table where, yeah irene comes she goes and she goes get that pussy off the table and it's there's a cat and then there's cordelia on the table and then cordelia jumps off and she goes i meant the cat but that that too you know it's just like some of that that's <laughs> that's your typical uh tales from the crypt dialogue right there yes yep <laughs> so next we got gary farmer uh who is actually deputy bob uh, kind of a, a basic character. Uh, he played in Dead Man, Miami Vice, Reservation Dogs. And he was kind of, I'm not going to say a throwaway character because he lasted for a good amount of the film and then sacrificed himself to, you know, let others survive along with Irene. Not really too much to say about him. <laughs> he's acting the shit out of this movie, though. He is over That's the true. top. At one point, <laughs> he yells at everyone to get back and he's like, get back and starts shooting. Like, he is like, he he's playing essentially a live action version of like, a Looney Tunes character in this movie, right? Like he is so just in your face, cartoonish. And it's kind of funny. Again, it, it kind of goes along with the theme of the movie. So I, I do like deputy Bob and I like his, you know, kind of his end there. Good for deputy Bob. However, unfortunately his boss, John shook, AKA Sheriff Tupper doesn't meet as, as, as glorious of a, of a fate. Um, so John yes. Shuck played the monsters today, television series, Star Trek, Babylon five law and order. And he literally eats a, a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> he, he eats a knuckle sandwich. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, this is when Billy we really, Zane, this yeah, is, this is Billy Zane's transformation moment where you think that Billy Zane is just maybe like a bad guy, some kind of cop, whatever. And then he reveals himself to be a demon by literally punching Sheriff Tupper in his mouth. And it goes all the way through <laughs> his head. And then he gets the head stuck. And he's like literally just trying to get the head off of his his arm or his hand and then at one point he goes heads up and he throws the head and i like that was i was like oh okay it's this type of movie (laughs) sheriff you're making a big mistake it won't be the first time sorry for the inconvenience everyone it's really like the man said if you knew who i was we'll find out soon enough why wait Oh, I see. I see what I this see is. Where okay, we're going. got it. Okay. Check. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we couldn't forget John Cassier as the Crypt Keeper. He's back, of course. So iconic of a role, right? Like, Cassier is such a prolific voice actor. You know, he's done, uh, you know, doing research for this, he has like over a thousand credits. Wow. He's done so much in his career, but the Crypt Keeper is just so linked to his career. Prevalent. And I think yeah. he fully embraces it. And uh, again, I think what makes Tales from the Crypt so iconic is his voice as the Crypt Keeper. You know, the puppeteering, all of that definitely deserves some credit, but the voice of the Crypt Keeper is, it is, it's iconic. Even if you don't like, if you don't like Tales from the Crypt, you still know the Crypt Keeper when you see him, right? Yeah, you know that voice. Grandma knows Crypt Keeper. If you grew up in the 90s, you know who the Crypt Keeper is. Cut, 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 cut! What the hell are you doing? You call that acting? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do call it acting. Well, let me tell you something, pal. You're no Gory Cooper. You ain't even a Robert Dedford. Another take like that, and it'll be back to bit parts for you, and I won't say what bits I'm talking about. <sighs> All right, everybody. Reset. He is not somebody that you can just like look at that picture and be like, who is that? And you know, you like, you know, like yeah. that's a crib kicker. Like he's, he's just, ugh, just gross looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some fun facts here. So, uh, purposely released on Friday, January 13th, because Tales from the Crypt movies were originally to be tied with traditional horror weekends, such as Friday the 13th or Halloween. Such an odd decision. For I don't think that's correct. You know, we, 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 Aaron, we've talked about this on the show many times. January is the, you know, no pun intended, again, graveyard for films. So if your film is shitty and you think it's going to do bad, you just dump it in January and hope it maybe earns its budget back. But... <laughs> I think the whole releasing it on January 13th is kind of a ruse. It's not, I, I think, you know, Universal Pictures did not believe in this, so they dumped it in January. I mean, there's other Fridays, the 13th throughout the year, but they chose January right. for a reason. <laughs> they they purposely chose January. <laughs> so uh, Robert Zemeckis, who obviously we know as the director of Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit, Castaway, was actually the executive producer on this film. I remember seeing that on the upon rewatch hmm. and thinking, why is Robert Zemeckis <laughs> involved in this movie? <laughs> Another good choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the studio originally wanted Cameron Diaz for the role of Geraldine, but director Ernest Dickerson convinced the producers to cast Jada Pinkett Smith instead. We talked about that earlier. Uh, Billy Zane said multiple times that this is his personal favorite performance of his career. And here's the probably the most interesting thing about this, Aaron, and you will believe this, I think. The script for this film was only accepted because the original script, which was submitted by Quentin Tarantino, could not agree on terms to produce his script. That script that he produced or that he kind of entered in for this Tales from the Crypt installment, From Dust Till Dawn. It's a dark Think about this movie and think about kind of where we're at. From Dust Till Dawn is just, in my opinion, a better version of this, right? Like it's yeah, a, couple, a crew of ragtag people are stuck in a building with a bunch of undead creatures on the outside huh. trying to get their way in, you know, like it's very similar. So I think they took what Tarantino kind of had in his back pocket and did this. And I think it, I think it's a fun kind of like retro look at that kind of like stuck in a room idea that's cool i didn't even think about it like that until you said that that's pretty neat 
I like I like the mm-hmm. the parallels to that. So uh, one thing that's really cool is that the entire set was constructed practically in an abandoned airport hangar in Van Nuys, California. Since the bulk of the film was set over the course of a single night, uh, this allowed for the the crew to shoot all day that they needed to 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 make you know to simulate night because uh, I know it was um, the director he didn't want to <clears throat> he didn't want to put the the cast through that he wanted them to have like normal lives, normal schedules. So this was a great way for them to, to kind of still accomplish that while, while, you know, filming the movie. One of the protagonists, uh, Wally Enfield is a recently fired postal worker, which we talked about the remaining protagonists find a large collection of guns in his home or no, no, it's in the, in the, in the attic. I thought, right. Realizing that Enfield yeah. intended to attack the post office. This is likely a reference to several real life killing sprees, as I said, perpetrated by maniacal postal workers from the late 1980s. His home was the attic. Remember, that's where he was staying at the moment. Oh, he wasn't staying in any of the rooms. He that's was just staying right. in the attic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm assuming to be close to Cordelia. Yes. Yeah. John Loriquette uh, from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre who, he was the narrator. Uh, the John Larroquette show, The Practice, Boss Legal. He's the uncredited monster in the fake film that the Crypt Keeper is directing at the beginning of the film. Um, the name of town Breaker ends up is is uh, Wormwood, and star Wormwood is considered one of the signs of the biblical apocalypse. Billy Zane also appeared in a Tales from the Crypt episode, Well Cooked Hams. This also isn't William Sadler's first time in a Tales from the Crypt tale. His first appearance was in the actual pilot as the executioner, where he's credited as Bill Sadler. Bill. Uh, CCH pa- Bill. 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 Nye. CCH Pounder was uh, fitted for a fat suit. Remember, we talked about this to help disguise her arm after it's ripped off. One of the proposed ideas for this film was casting an African American actor for the role of Breaker and was created a theme that suggested uh, the, the oppressed people of Earth were also the Redeemer. So, oh. Aaron, we kind of talked about this. We talked about this before. The recording, and I, I meant to say it here. I think this is probably a good time, a good time to talk about it. The director Ernest Dickerson made it very much a point to cast African American actors, get that in the forefront. Because in the early '90s, again, like you said, Cameron Diaz was the original. That's who they wanted as the you know for the character of Geraldine. He made it very much a point to like fight against that. He wanted to cast African American actors in his movies. If you go back and look at his filmography, a lot of it is very African-American dominant roles and casts. And I think that's, you know, again, extremely admirable for one, but also it probably paved the way for a lot of these kind of unknown actors at that time. Absolutely. I think he did a, a a great thing, kind of an, uh, I mean, we don't hear a lot about risky. Yeah, exactly. We don't hear a lot about things like that. Um, especially from, you know, eighties and early nineties, it just kind of wasn't the, the thing to do. I think Hollywood is kind of one of those places where they tend to stick to their, to their, their, you know, ways. And they don't really, if you're the, you know, if you, there's a saying, um, the, the nail that stands out is the first one to get hammered. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people tend to, to, to be wary of that. So I think that, you know, he, he definitely did something great for Hollywood, which I think definitely paid off and paved the way, as you said, for a lot of African-American actors, people of color. And, and again, we need more people like that in Hollywood who are really willing to take the risk. Absolutely. Speaking of that in this film, there are actually four collectors. Um, The first one was in the crucifixion scene. The second one was after Frank breaker shot the soldier. 
the third one was played by Billy Zane, and the fourth one was the man in black waiting at the bus stop that we see at the end. Uh, he says, "I'll take the you know I'll get the next one." Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting, knowing that the collector, the first collector, was in that biblical scene, was I thought it was really interesting that the that 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 collector was not in human form. And I think that, right. and I, and I kind of want to attribute that to the idea that things were more uh, like understood that there were demons, there were, you know, there was Satan. He was a very real thing. You know, it's something that that people probably could handle more so, or it could even be the fact that it, that whole portion was in the presence of Jesus being crucified. So maybe his power wasn't as strong to disguise himself. So I think there's a lot of cool like things you can kind of. Uh, hypothesize about that that one scene and why there it was a little bit more revealing. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's kind of the fun of this movie is that while it is very simple on the surface, there are small tidbits that you can kind of analyze, and there was clearly some thought put into this. It wasn't just a half-hearted, put-together horror film to try to put Tales from the Crypt back on the map. There was an actual thought you know, put into this. And I, I kind of wanted to go back as well. I, I guess I misread that. I thought, I thought that the black, the man in black there at the end of the movie was going to be the person who eventually was going to usurp Jada Pinkett. But in reality, it was actually the collector. It was a, it was mm-hmm. a new collector after she kills Billy Zane's character. So uh, I think that'll kind of cover it though, in terms of a uh, demon night, I, you know, this, I'm so glad that we sat down and watched this for this, you know, this year's Halloween special. It is one of, again, one of those movies that you can turn on with a bunch of friends, enjoy it, uh, it's, it's silly. It's again, it's not, you can just turn your brain off, have a couple beers, get a bowl of popcorn and enjoy it. You know, it's, it, it really is just kind of a refreshing jaunt, a really fun, you know, idea of what, a you know, what a horror film was in the nineties. So Aaron, what are kind of your final thoughts on demon night? I am so glad that we, that, that this movie was chosen. Like I'm so appreciative of it. Cause I think that I, I really feel like people who haven't seen it, horror fans are not are missing out because this is not something that you need to worry about you, you know like don't show your kids or whatnot just like it's like you said it's it's just it's just a good like cinematic romp in the horror comedy genre and besides some boobs i mean i think it's it's fun for the family <laughs> <laughs> some high quality family fun <laughs> all righty well that'll it's do like it Hooters. Halloween special <laughs> yeah exactly it's a family yeah. restaurant <laughs> With over 200 locations worldwide. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for our Halloween special 2022, Aaron. There is nothing left for us to do here on the Oblivion Bar. There's nothing else for us to do up to this point except for episode 100. We are on the road officially. Actually, we were on the road to 100. We are there now. We're staring at it face to face. And it's been a journey. It's been a journey very similar to... Uh, what we experience here in Demon Knight. It had its, its as its triumphant moments. It has its uh, moments of dread, but we are here. So that'll be next episode. We're going to take a week off, kind of prepare mentally, physically, emotionally for this. Uh, and then we're going to get together sexually. Yeah, I got to lube up. I'm not, I can't go into this dry and all that. You know, I got to make sure that I'm ready to go. I'm going to do seven sit-ups with you and then and out just to get my body to pristine condition. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll be together thankfully we have an entire weekend aaron we actually don't really have a ton to like plan for necessarily because we're just kind of it's going to be a retrospective on the oblivion bar up to this point so i'm excited to get together excited to hang out and enjoy that together and uh yeah we'll do that here in a couple weeks so like i said we'll take off next week and then we'll be back for episode 100 
And then we're still trying to decide what we want to do after episode 100 in terms of like taking a month off or just going straight in the next week for Black Panther Wakanda forever. <laughs> you know, fuck it. Let's do so, it. Yeah, why not? You know, here's to episode 101. But <laughs> uh, Aaron, go ahead and take us out of here. Go ahead and take us out of our Halloween special. All right. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Join our Patreon community, patreon.com forward slash Olivia Bar Pod. Thank you to our patrons, Aaron, Greg, Sebastian, Rob, David, Travis, Jeff, Jay, Drew, Cassidy, George, Christy, Kyle, Nicole, Haley, Chris, Jeff, S, Losey, Jake, Jeremy, and Brad and Lisa for Gobble's Counseling. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and whatnot at Oblivion Bar Pod. Thank you to Shortbox for sponsoring our news and notes segment. Official merch of the show can be found at our website, OblivionBarPodcast.com. Thank you, Kevin Zillier, for all of our Oblivion Bar art. He's at TheZigZone.com. Thank you, South Bound Britta, for all of our Oblivion Bar themes. Thank you, DJ Skyback, for our great theme. Thank you, Fantasy Shop, for sponsoring the show. Your dad, mom, sister, brother and stepbrother don't forget to tip your bartenders 20 percent or more because i'm stuck in this dryer <laughs> that's a very specific reference that i think only about two percent of our listenership will understand <laughs> but i did i'll let you know that i totally got it so uh thank you all so much for listening to the oblivion bar we truly appreciate it and we'll see you next week or actually two weeks from now for episode 100 <laughs>